Hey, with a quick show of hands, how many of y'all think our praise and worship team needs to record an album? Anybody like me? Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, Another quick show of hands. How many of y'all know that when you go all in with Jesus and you say, Jesus, you're my king, you're my Lord, that's a roller coaster ride. Like there's like ups and downs. How many of y'all know that? Like ups and downs, right? So... um, My wife and I, we answered the call to plant a multi-ethnic church in San Antonio, Texas. At the time, uh, we had a very comfortable life in Dallas, but we really sensed a call to go down to San Antonio. We had a group of about 40 churches that said, hey, if you move down here, we'll support you. We did not know, though, was the churches were going to support us if we were on the east side, which is kind of a historically marginalized neighborhood. We decided to plant instead on the north side, and so they pulled their support. And so I was... uh, Married, we had a, I guess, two, three-year-old at the time, and Tara was pregnant as well. So we, I had to start working full-time. So I worked as a personal trainer. Uh, so I worked my way up uh, at a very small club, and eventually started working in a club very similar to the Houstonian here in Houston. It was a high-end club called the Conquer Athletic Club, and I eventually got promoted to become a master personal trainer there, and I had a large number of clients. And here was the thing, there were some of the wealthiest people in San Antonio, and I remember on one occasion, one of my clients came and she was late and she said, sorry, I'm late, but I'll just meet with my financial advisor. I'm not pleased with my investments and I'm a little bit anxious, a little bit worried about my finances. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, you come from one of the wealthiest families in San Antonio. You've got like two or three houses. You, all your kids are grown, so you don't have to worry about college and other expenses. So I'm thinking like, what are you so worried about? You've got a ton of money. But here's the thing I found, this consistent pattern as I work with, again, some of the wealthiest people in San Antonio. I remember uh, many of the things they would tell me about are things that we would purchase, you know, on a loan. We'd have to get a loan to buy the certain things. They would just buy it cash. They're like, yeah, I bought these. Uh, They bought two bikes that were like $20,000 each for cash. And I'm like, you bought two? And here's the thing. (laughs) She said, we're going to get into cycling. We're going to get into bike riding. All right. And for me, if you're going to get in bike riding, you can go to Target, Walmart, get a bike for like 300 bucks, right? Her and her husband both bought top-of-the-line road racing bikes for like $14,000 or $16,000 each. But here's the thing. She was always anxious and worried. And then I had another client who told me about a Christmas bonus. It was more than I made like in like four or five years combined. It was her bonus. And so the thing I found was, again, a lot of anxiety a lot of worry, both about their current situation, but even about the future. And in my mind, it didn't equate because they made a lot, a lot of money. They made tons of money. And my thing was always, if you have a lot of money, that should free you from being anxious and worried. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't that be the logical like assumption that you'd make? Um, another time, too, my wife and I were getting life insurance. We had to give some blood. And the guy came and we donated our, or gave our blood sample. And the guy said, do you guys take any prescription medicine? And we're like, no, we don't take any prescription medicine. He's like, wow, that's rare that you take no prescription medicine. And he said, I just came from this house in this very wealthy neighborhood, multimillionaire guy, whatever. Man, he gave me a laundry list of medications he's on. So he said to me, I don't think it's worth making that much money if you're always anxious and depressed. Is something what he said to me. I'm like, wow, okay. But here's the thing again. I thought again, if you make lots of money, big house, nice cars, you know, investments, 401k, you're the fat cat. Man, why are you anxious and worried? Like, you got it made for life, and yet these folks wrestle with worry and anxiety. And if we're honest with ourselves, it just doesn't happen to those with great wealth or high-stress jobs. If we're honest with ourselves, all of us wrestle with worry and anxiety. Amen? 
especially during this current time with COVID-19, anxiety is on the rise as we're facing two days from now. Election, a pivotal election, as many have called it, anxiety is on the rise. If you've noticed, like when you watch TV commercials about the election from both sides of the aisle, they're never like uh, commercials about hope and peace, right? They're always like, worry, anxiety, you're about to you know, lose everything. You're like, ah! And then you watch the news because sensationalism sells, and the news never says, Hey, things are really going well. Let's just be chill. Everything is good. It's always like, more people have done this. More people, more medicine, more of this. And you're like, man, my anxiety level is even rising higher and higher and higher. So here's the thing. If it's not money and wealth that can give you security from anxiety and worry, where do we find security? So if you have your Bibles, let's find out where we find security in anxious times. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Where do you find Anxiety in this midst of a troubled economy. I know the stock market tumbled this last week. In the midst of a pandemic, a national election, even local elections, with anxiety in the rise as people feel cooped up at home. People are being put on furlough. People are being laid off. Companies are downsizing. Where do we find security? Jesus says this in verse 25, For this reason, and I'll point out why he says for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the rhetorical answer is yes. I mean no, I'm sorry. Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, and they do not sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And the answer there is yes, you're worth much more. Verse 27, and who of you, being worried, can add a single hour or cubit, 18 inches, length of your life? We can't. Verse 28. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toll, nor do they spin. And I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 31. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So you can underline that in verse 25, for this reason, or therefore... He's connecting it to last Sunday's message, saying, you know what, if you think security is found in greed and hoarding by getting your wealth and getting more stuff, he says, not there, because you can't serve God and money. And because of that, for this reason, he's going to answer the question, in anxious times, in times of worry, where can we find security? And he starts it off by this way in verse 25, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And that word worried, uh, do not be worried is a command, it's a plural command to the community. So since it is a command, if you do worry, worry is a sin because Jesus clearly commands us not to worry. So here's point number one. Don't worry and be insecure about your material needs being met. Don't worry and be insecure about your material needs being met, both today but also for the future. He says again, verse 31, do not worry. He says in verse 34, do not worry. So do not worry about being and be insecure about your material needs being met because it is a command, an imperative, if we do worry, it is a sin. First thing we have to do, because uh, he says, don't be worried about your life or what you'll eat or what you'll drink or your body. He's basically talking about our needs. 
And I think in our church today, and I say church, I'm not just talking about Bike City Fellowship, but I think Christians everywhere, we need to talk about the difference between needs and wants. Needs and wants. And here Jesus lays it out clearly. He says, food and clothing, food and clothing, these are essential needs. Everything else generally is a luxury and a want. But here's what happens. If you live with your wants long enough, if you live with your wants long enough, eventually you think those wants become needs. Have y'all seen that before? I remember several years ago, businessman, millionaire, he was laid off from his job, and so we had to do his budget, and he had a hard time differentiating between needs, food, clothing, and shelter, and wants, country club membership, cable TV, things like that, because for him, he had had those things for so long, they had seemed like they were wants. So what Jesus says here is, don't worry and be insecure about God meeting your material needs, not greeds and wants, but your needs, about your material needs being met. Um, here's the thing. Have y'all ever had like uh, uh, anxiety or worry sneak up on you? Anybody like have that just sneak up on you? You're just having like the most chill, productive day and all of a sudden something triggers and you're like get worried all of a sudden. Maybe it's about your kids or about the future. At work you hear a rumor that there may be layoffs and something triggers it. And that's what the word worry means. The Greek word for worry, the root word is uh, different or parts or divide or even, um, uh, what's the word here? Let me find it. Distracted, distracted, that's the word. The root word is different or distracted. We get the English word polymer, many parts from that. So the word mer, M-E-R, the suffix is the same root word for worry. When you say, Lord, I trust you, I believe in you, I trust you, but then all of a sudden worry pops up and it distracts you and it messes up your walk with the Lord. Again, you hear a rumor, you see a commercial on TV, you hear the stock market's been going down and down and down. Something triggers it and becomes a distraction in your walk with God. That's what worry is. The root word again is different or distraction or parts. It's much like this. Um, there's a young man named Jack Young. You probably heard of this back three years ago. He was driving he was under the influence of some prescription medicine. He was also texting while driving up in Uvalde in the hill country. He was swerving in and out of lanes. Several people had seen that. They recorded it. They called the police on him because he was swerving in and out. But because he was so distracted while texting his friends about what they were doing that afternoon, he rammed into a little church bus with about 14 elderly mem members of First Baptist Church in New Braunfels because, again, he was distracted. And that's what worry can be like. Worry and anxiety our distraction in our walk with God and can do great damage. So that's why Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. So where is this security found? He tells us, first example, verse 26. And this is why the sermon is called, What Can We Learn From Bird Watching? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour, a cubit, the length of a forearm, to your life? And the answer is, you can't. And verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. Verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown in the, fire, or in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So here's point number two. If you are worried and insecure, go outside and look at nature. He says, he says, if you're worried and insecure, 
you hear rumblings at work about layoffs, if you see a commercial and it agitates you and gets you fearful about the future, he says one thing you can do is you go outside and you look at the birds of the air, you look at the field, the flowers of the field, you look at the grass, and the argument is if God takes care of the lesser, will he not take care of you creating the image of God? If he takes care of the birds, he takes care of the grass and the flowers, and he clothes them, will he not much more clothe and feed you. Here's something I've never seen. Uh, I know a couple of veterinarians. So Kevin, Pastor Kevin over at Tomball, his wife Hillary is a veterinarian. We had a chance to talk to her about what she does on a typical day. She sees dogs and cats and horses and snakes and things like that. But you know what I've never seen? I've never seen, I've seen animal doctors, veterinarians, but I've never seen an animal counselor. I've never seen an animal counselor who has like a parrot sitting in his uh, little sofa there, right? So tell me, Mr. Parrot, what's, what's got you in here today? I'm all anxious, right? You're anxious? You're wrestling with anxiety, right? Why do birds not wrestle with anxiety? The text says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. There's a parallel verse in Luke 12, 22 through 32. And in Luke, Luke the doctor says, he calls them ravens. He says, look at the ravens of the air. And this is what ravens do. Ravens will kick out their young at a very young age. And so the young have to fend for themselves. And so I think the picture there is even the vulnerable, the young, God takes care of those ravens as well. So again, you'll never see a bird in counseling because they don't wrestle with anxiety because even though they don't work, even though they have a 401k, even though they play the stock market, he says God takes care of them. And what Jesus is not saying here, he's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't save. He's not saying don't invest. He's not saying if your company has 403B or 401k, don't invest. He's not saying any of those things. What he's saying is don't look to those things to give you hope. Still, do what you need to do because God will use those as a resource to provide for your needs. But God is the ultimate source. So again, if you are worried and you're wrestling, is remember, go outside. Look at nature. God and his grace takes care of them. Uh, AK had a very strange counseling situation uh, recently. Uh, a man came to me, a husband, said, you know what? I'm having some financial problems. Can you come and help and see if the church can help me? And I said, sure. I came over to their house and I said, what's the problem? He says, man, I'm having a hard time feeding my family. But as I walked in his home, it was amazing. He had this large aquarium, this tank, in the middle, this fish tank in the middle of his living room. Beautiful saltwater fish tank, all these exotic fish and stuff. Beautiful. And I said, man, that's an amazing fish tank. And the rest of the house was like deplorable, yet this fish tank was beautiful. Just watching was soothing and relaxing. And he said, you know what, that fish tank, feeding the fish, live fish, and all the stuff I need to do, cost me $1,000 a month to maintain and feed. I'm like, 1000 a month? And I was like, man, that's a beautiful fish tank. Well, so I'm sitting with a table, uh, sitting at the table doing the budget with him. His kids come up, five-year-old, I think a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. And they say, oh, Pastor Ricky, we haven't eaten in three days. And I said, y'all haven't eaten in three days? No, we haven't eaten in three days. And I'm like, man, that's terrible. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy spends $1,000 a month on this beautiful fish tank feeding these fish. He can't even feed his own kids. I said, that's crazy. Y'all, I'm making that story up, right? I'm totally making the story up. Because you would sit there and say, who would do something like that where he would feed his pets but not feed his kids? And that's why twice in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus uses the term heavenly father. 
heavenly because he has all authority. And father, because just like your earthly father, he's going to provide and protect you. So just like an earthly father would feed his kids before he feeds his pets, he says, look, God feeds the pets. He feeds the birds. He feeds all that. So God is going to take care of you. You can bank on that. Are you all with me? I had y'all scared there for a second, didn't I? You're like, who at Bayou City Fair going to feed their fish before they feed their kids, right? <laughs> so if you're worried, look at nature. And then lastly, look at this. So here's, here's where Jesus gives us the answer on where security is found. Verse 31, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? Again, those basic needs. Verse 32, for the Gentiles and non-Christians eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Again, heavenly Father, your loving heavenly Father knows you need these things. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So here's point number three, submit to the Father and he will meet your needs and give you security. So as you say, you know what, in verse 33, God, I seek first your kingdom. And that word kingdom doesn't mean a place like magic kingdom or united kingdom. It means the rule of God. When you submit to the rule of God, and that word righteousness means doing the will of God. When you submit to the rule and will of God, verse 33 says this, and all these things, all of your needs will be, bank on it, promise to be added to you. As long as God has ordained you for live, to live, if you submit to him as your father, to his rule, his righteousness, God says, I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. That's all you have to do. Verse 32 says, these Gentiles eagerly seek. That's epizeteo. Verse uh, 33, the word is zeteo, the word seek. The word means to run after or to focus on. So he said, the Gentiles, the non-Christians, when you're at work tomorrow and you hear rumors about furloughs and pink slips, they instantly run and say, I need to get, hoard all this stuff and take care of myself. But the Christian who says, I submit to the rule of God, God is my heavenly father, God's going to take care of me, says, you know what, God, I continue to submit to you and I will continue to seek you and worship you. I don't need to seek all these things because you're the source. All these other things are just the resource. I'm just going to focus on you. Um, my daughter is studying to get an MBA and she wants to get into marketing one day. And so because of that, She's gotten into a little bit of graphic design, and several years ago, she asked for Christmas, just a want, y'all, this is a want, she asked for a camera. There's a special, like, Sony camera that has all these lenses and interchangeable things on it, so she asked for this camera, and we bought it for her, and as you can imagine, Christmas morning, she opens it, it's the camera I wanted, right? And it's a Sony camera that has all these things, and it's a point-and-shoot, so it doesn't require all these, like, focusing and all that. And I asked her what makes that camera unique and she said literally has all these functions and buttons and stuff and this lens you can change out. And all you have to do is whatever you're trying to shoot, you put in the viewfinder and you push click and it takes a photo, perfectly uh, balanced color, perfect, sharp, all that stuff, perfect. All you have to do is focus, click. And I'm like, that's amazing that they have, they have that kind of technology to figure out the distance and the color and the lighting and all that stuff. And as I was talking to her about the camera, and she's bragging on this new camera, and she's starting to take some photos, God said something to me. God said, you're just like that camera. And I said, why, God? Because we're both made in Japan? He said, no, not that. <laughs> he said, because here's the thing about that camera. If you will just focus on the object you're trying to photograph, you'll just focus on that, 
Everything else will be taken care of. If you all you focus, if all you do is focus on the object, the person, the nature scene, the tree that you're trying to take a photo of, you just focus on that, the camera will take care of everything else. And you know what? If you and I will just focus on the Father, if we'll just submit to the Father and say, Lord, first of all, priority, I seek you, your rule in my life, and you're doing your will, your rule and your will, I seek that. If we'll focus on that, God says, I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about where you're going to live, the clothes you're going to wear, the food you're going to eat. If you just focus on that thing, I'll take care of everything else. But you know what? That Sony camera, even though amazing as it was, if it's not focused on the right thing, it can't do that. If I'm trying to take a picture of that exit sign over there, but I'm focused on the exit sign over here, it won't do it. The picture is not going to come out with that exit sign. And so all God says is, don't worry about that. You just focus. You seek me first. You seek the rule of God and the will of God. And what happens is God will take care of everything else. Y'all with me? And that's what he says here. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Every single need that you have will be added to you. Uh, uh, go to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. forgot to mention this, the word your heavenly father knows, that word knows in the Greek is in the perfect tense. And you're saying, well, big deal. What does perfect tense mean? It's something that has been done in the past as ongoing ramifications. So God constantly and always knows your needs. So it's not just a point in time, but he's always, he knows exactly what you need. Look at verse 6, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. There's that anxiety again. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says, you can enjoy security. Where does it come from? He says in verse 6, if you're anxious, be anxious for nothing. What do we do? But in everything, by prayer and supplication. But notice this. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, if you're feeling anxious today, if you're worried today about something today or even in the future, what can we do? Seek him first. How do we seek him first? He says, we can go to God in prayer, be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Look at verse 19. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So two applications from this. Number one, with thanksgiving, verse 6, with thanksgiving, as you pray, as you ask, as you go to your heavenly Father, do it with thanksgiving. Why is that thanksgiving there? I'll tell you why. It's because, hopefully, you and God have a track record. Hopefully, you and God have a track record. What do I mean by that? That there have been times in your life, in the past, a year ago, three years ago, during Harvey, ten years ago, where you had a need for a new job, for food, for a roof over your head, for clothes, and you saw how God met that need. You had that son or daughter who's maybe now an adult, but you were sitting there going, how am I going to pay for my son or daughter to go to college? And God met that need. Have you all been there before? So what you can do with Thanksgiving is, here's an application. Figure out a way that you can record the ways that God has met needs in your life. Right? 
In the Old Testament, they had stones of remembrance because God knows all of us suffer from spiritual amnesia. We quickly forget what God has done for us on our behalf. That's why we take communion because it's a way to remember Christ's sacrifice. So figure out a way, a journal, a prayer journal, some way that you can say, you know what, here's what we pray for. Here's how God answered. Here's how God has been faithful because you're going to need that. When you get anxious about the future, you can look back on the past and say, ooh, God provided. I'm good. God's got me covered. I've got a five-year journal, so every year I write a daily entry, and I've got it for the next five years, so I'm now two years into it. And here's the great thing. I can look back what I was praying through a year ago and now how God's answered that prayer. And so as I get worried or anxious about the future, I can say, you know what? God took care of my family and I back then. God's going to take care of my family and I in the future. God took care of the ministries and churches I was a part of in the past. God's going to take care of the ministries and churches I've been part of in the future. I can trust God. So with thanksgiving... And then he says in verse 19 that God will meet, uh, supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. If you trust God to do that, if you really believe God is going to do that, I encourage you, like I mentioned last week, the works that you can do to demonstrate your trust in God's provision is to give, spend, and save. Give, spend, and save. Develop a budget, a prayerful budget in which you say, God, everything that you've blessed me with belongs to you. And because of that, I'm going to give a portion of it back to you for a kingdom work to advance your kingdom. I'm going to pay my bills, and I'm going to save as well. I'm going to invest as well. So give, spend, and save. So here's a big idea for today, going back to Matthew chapter 6 as we wrap up. Submission leads to security. Submission leads to security. When you say, seek versus kingdom, the rule of God and the will of God all these things be added to you. And again, like I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon, when you say, Lord, I submit to your will and your rule, it's a roller coaster ride. It's exciting. It's got challenges. But to know that I'm doing the will of God, by God's grace and by the power of the Spirit, I'm doing the will of God. But he says, if you do that, the promise, all these things be added to you. What are the, all these things? He just mentioned them in verse 32. Eagerly seek all these things. Your Heavenly Father knows. What we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear for clothing. He says, all these things, God will meet your needs. You'll have security, not in the stuff, but in the one who provides the stuff. I've got good friends of mine. Uh, the wife is a college professor. And with all the topsy-turvy economy with education, I'm sure she's been anxious about her job. Uh, the husband does graphic design and marketing. Uh, so if you ever go to Starbucks and see all the pastries and baked goods, his company that he works for does all those things. And I'm sure because the restaurant's going up and down, he's been a little anxious as well. But both of them met while they were in the Navy. They came straight out of high school and joined the Navy. And here's the thing about the armed forces. When you join the armed forces for four years, whether it's like through the service branches or through West Point or Air Force Academy, you've basically said to the Air Force, my life is yours now. I submit to you. If you tell me to go to Guam as a Navy officer, I'll go, to, I'll go to Guam. If you tell me to go to Cuba, I'll go to Cuba. If you tell me to go to Virginia, I'll go to Virginia. Wherever you want me to go, even if it means going into battle, I go because I've now submitted myself to you. But here's the other thing, that the, the benefit of that. And they said this to me. When we were in the Navy, as two young 19, 20-year-olds in the Navy, we never had to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, and where we're going to live. Because the Navy provided all that. They provided with our clothing, our shelter, our food, everything we needed to do our jobs, the Navy provided. But on the flip side, again, if they said go to Guam, we had to go to Guam. If they said go to Virginia, we had to go to Virginia. And you know what? 
That's what God calls us. He calls us his army. We're soldiers in God's army. And we say, hey, God, I enlist. I sign up. I submit to your rule and your will. God says, great, awesome. Now you're going to have all your needs met to do what I've called you to do. But hold on. It's going to be a wild ride. So again, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things be added to you. Can I just tell this very quick little quib and joke? When I was in seminary, I had a friend of mine. He actually pastors in Greater Houston now. And he said he sets his alarm clock every morning to wake up at 6.33 to remind himself to seek first the kingdom. That's not an application, y'all. Y'all don't need to do that. But again, a journal that you can record how God has met your needs in the past. And then also to, as a demonstration that you trust God to give, spend, and save. Um, it's been a, a very... Uh, let's just say unusual time the last 90 days. I've been on staff now 90 days. And um, it's very been unusual because of COVID and because of the transitions that we've had. And then people have asked me like, hey, are you anxious or worried at all? And I've said, no, I'm really not anxious or worried at all. I, I just continue to trust God. I believe God's called me to be here. And I said, I've been through like far hairier, crazy situations in the past. And God's always been faithful. So here's a question I ask you all. Um, how many of y'all parents in here? If you're a parent in here, raise your hand, parents. Imagine as parents, you've got a four-year-old girl and a two-year-old girl. You are a church planter feeling called by God. The support you thought you were going to have is all pulled out, so you're working full-time. And your wife tells you that she's best paid the tithes, the bills, and after doing all that, until you get paid again in 10 days, all you have is $23 in your bank account. $23. That doesn't include, there's no 401k, there's no overseas account. $23. Well, that was me back like now 16 years ago. My wife had just done all the bills. She paid our tithes. She paid all the bills. And she said, Icky, until your next payday in 10 days, we have $23. And so I was a personal trainer and it was November. And between November, December, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, I'll tell you this. Ain't nobody want to hear from their trainer about what they're eating and the holiday parties they're going to. <laughs> and so your client load goes down tremendously. So I went from making maybe like 4000 a month down to like, you know, 2000 a month. And she said, I paid all the bills, the, I paid the ties, the mortgage, everything. And all we have until your next payday in 10 days is $23. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I open up the refrigerator. There's like a, a, a jar of like jelly or jam, some peanut butter, a few little pieces of food in there, maybe a little bit of milk in there. We had very little food. And so, still feeling called. I worked full-time as a trainer. On Sundays, I was a pastor and met with people in the evenings when I could. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I get to the gym by 6 o'clock to train clients from 6 a.m. to about 10 a.m. We couldn't do family dinners because I was always gone, so we'd have family lunch, and we'd, I'd have uh, lunch with the family. And then from about 4 o'clock in the afternoon to about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, I'd go back and train clients again. And so we had $23. And I remember I was getting ready to go to work. I was in my little workout trainer uniform. And I, I kid you not, I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That was my lunch and dinner for most days. And I remember thinking, $23 for the next payday. I opened the refrigerator, barely any food in there. And I said, Lord... I will eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the rest of my life to just serve you. Whatever you call me to do, my security and trust in you. I'm going to eat this the rest of my life. I don't mind doing that. But I said, Lord, I got a four-year-old and two-year-old. And has your prayer ever gone from like praying to like crying and praying? Have you ever had that before? 
And I'm like crying before the Lord. I said, I'm in the kitchen by myself making my peanut butter sandwich. And I said, Lord, I got a four-year-old and two-year-old. Man, I love them. And I know, God, that you love them even more than I do. Even more than I do. So I said, Lord, would you provide food for my family? Please, God, I, I beg you. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm going to get $23 and tap it down to zero to get a little bit more food. But Lord, would you provide for my family? So I remember I got to work, trained some clients, and then my 7 o'clock client called. And she said, hey, Icky, I'm not going to be able to make it in. She was an executive of a large uh, Fortune 100 company. And she said, but you know what? Uh, do you have any more clients tonight? I said, no, it's a pretty slow night. I'm, I'm done after like 5 o'clock. And she said, well, I've got season tickets to the Spurs. I'd love to give you the season tickets and a parking pass so you can go to the game for free. I'm like, great, I'll, I'll take it. So she drops him off the front desk. I call a friend of mine who's a big Spurs fan. I say, hey, do you want to go game with me tonight? He said, sure. He picks me up. Right before he picks me up, I eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I had a little five-gallon tub of protein, so I had a little protein shake. I get in the car. We get to the game about an hour, 45 minutes early. We're sitting down, and then a local radio personality is walking up and down the aisles there at the AT&T Center. He sees us, and he says, hey, you guys want to do halftime promotion, halftime contest? And my friend's like, what do I have to do? And he said, well... You're going to put on this t-shirt, it's a Spurs t-shirt, you're going to be on the Jumbotron, and one of the Spurs players is going to ask you a question, and if you answer correctly, you want a prize. And so my friend says, what size is the t-shirt? And he says, it's a large. And he's like, he's like, and my friend wears like a double XL or triple XL. He's like, man, if I wear that thing, I'm going to look like a big marshmallow on the screen. <laughs> so he said, my friend will do it. So here I am, I wear a large, and so halftime comes around. I put the shirt on. I'm on the Jumbotron. I do the icky shuffle for everybody on the Jumbotron. <laughs> and then the radio guy goes, all right, and the Bruce Bowen comes on. And Bruce Bowen goes, what is the nickname that Sean Elliott gave me? And I don't know the, the answer to that, you know? And everyone around me is like, the rash, the rash, the rash. They're all whispering the rash because he's all over you, right? And so I say, the rash? And the radio guy goes, you win, you win, yeah. And everyone's cheering and screaming and stuff. And I said, well, what do I win? What do I win? And he says, you won a $100 gift card to HEB. And I'm like, what? And I start getting teared up. I'm like, what? And, and at the time, we were so broke. I didn't even have a cell phone. My friend did. So I said, hey, can I borrow your cell phone? And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Tara. I called my wife and I said, Tara, guess what? You're not going to believe it. I, got a, I won a $100 gift card to HEB. God provided food for us that way. And she was blown away by that as well. So the next morning, I got up really early before I trained clients. I went to HEB and got like potatoes and tomatoes and flour and cheese and milk and all the staples for us. And so when I share this with you, that you can find your security in God, this is not theory, y'all. This is real life. That if you say to God, God, I submit to you. I submit to your rule. I submit to your will. Scary as that might seem, I submit to you. God says, all these things, food, clothing, shelter, all your needs, today and even in your future. Can I give you a scary statistic, y'all? How many of y'all got kids under the age of five? Under the age of five. In 15 years, the average public college, all right, average public college, room, board, and tuition is going to cost $200,000 total. You're going to pay about 50000 a year. If you send your child to a private college, get this, Joel, $400,000. You're going to pay 100000 a year. Currently, University of Chicago is the most expensive school. They finally eclipsed the 80000 mark. Room board and tuition at University of Chicago is $81,000 a year. Right? And some of you are already getting anxious and worried. 
Can I share this with you all? My daughter, my youngest daughter, goes to the most expensive school in Texas. The most expensive school in Texas. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not even tripping. I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to provide. And God has. And Lord willing, in two years, she'll graduate debt-free. And you're saying, how does that happen? Security in God. That's all I can say. We've seen God provide in the past. We trust God to provide in the future. So if you're looking for security, you're anxious, you're worried, you're nervous. Furloughs, pink slips, stock market crashing, 401k going down, mutual funds tanking. You're saying, Lord, how am I going to make it? You want me to give in all this? You want me generous in all this? God says, where's your security found? Who do you trust? You're going to trust the resource or you're going to trust the source? If you submit to the source, your heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you, who knows all your needs, you submit to his rule and to his will, he promises that as long as ordained, God has ordained you to live, God will provide for your needs. Find security in that. God, we are so grateful that you're our heavenly father. We merely need to go outside and look at the sparrows, the ravens and the crows, the cranes. God, we've never seen a crane or sparrow in the counselor's office, worried and anxious. They're not taking Xanax. They're not troubled. They don't even work. They don't have 401ks. They don't have a bank account. And yet they are provided for day after day, night after night. So God, we trust you. We submit ourselves to you because we recognize from this passage that submission to the Heavenly Father leads to security. So God, as we have feelings of anxiety and worry about the future, about our needs, about our kids, God, like it says in Philippians 4, will we uh, make prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that we will look back on our walk with you, our track record, your track record with us, how you have been a faithful God. You have met our needs every step along the way. So God, whether our needs are $10 or $10,000, we look to you and we trust you. Would you help us, God, to develop the discipline of journaling, the spiritual discipline of journaling, so that we can record and remind ourselves, because we all suffer from spiritual amnesia, how faithful you've been to us. And would that launch us into trusting you both today and in the future? And God, would you help us be generous givers? Again, remembering that you are the source and all that you entrust to us are merely the resources that you have called us to steward, to manage as an act of worship, as an act of submission to you. Would you help us to budget? You tell us in Proverbs clearly to know the condition of our flocks, know the animals that are coming in and the animals that are going out to know the money coming in, the money going out. God, would you lead us in preparing a budget so that we can give, spend, and save. His eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here today and, again, whether it's the election, whether it's the economy, whether it's COVID, whether it's about your marriage or family, if you're feeling anxious, you're anxious and you're worried, would you just stand right where you are? We're going to develop the prayer team again here soon, but I just want to pray specifically for those who are worried and anxious, who say, God, this is a distraction in my walk. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Anyone else? If you're worried and anxious, thank you for standing.
you're worried and anxious. Can I pray for these who are standing? God, that they would know and believe that you're a good, good father. You're their heavenly father. You're not that father who would uh, have an aquarium that costs a thousand dollars a month and not feed his own kids. But God, you provide for the animals, the birds of the air, and for nature, the rain, for the flowers and the grass. You clothe them. You feed them. So God, I pray that they would submit to you. And in so doing, as they submit to your rule and your will, God, they would see your hand of provision. God, they would look back on their Christian walk, their walk with you, and all the ways that have been faithful. That they would break free and shake free of that spiritual amnesia and remember how you met their need. God, we're grateful that you met our greatest need, which was for a reconciled relationship with you. And so, God, we can look to the cross. We can look to Jesus and know that even before we knew we had that need, even while we were still sinners, even while we were still enemies, you met our greatest need for salvation in Jesus Christ, to be forgiven for our sins, past, present, and future, including the sin of worry. <clears throat> so we're grateful for that, God. I pray. You give these folks who are standing an extra measure of grace <coughs> and trust that you give them a peace that surpasses all understanding, a supernatural peace that like Fort Knox would guard their hearts and minds. So tomorrow as they walk into work with whispers of furloughs and pink slips, you give them a supernatural boldness and hope not because they have a lot of money in the bank account or have a vacation home in Vail, but because they know that you, their heavenly father, their sovereign father, their loving father, their gracious and good father, will supply all their needs. We trust you, Father. We submit to you. God, in our submission, would that lead to security? And we ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for standing, you all. Hey, also, just a reminder on your uh, phones, uh, the app, there's a section. You can push prayer. We would love to pray for you. If you're feeling anxious and you're worried, you're scared, you're fearful, um, please submit that prayer request. The elders at Spring Branch, we pray every Thursday morning at 615. This past Thursday, we prayed for many of you all. Submit a prayer request. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. So please submit that uh, before Wednesday or Wednesday before, and we'd love to pray for you. Again, just a reminder.